What's good, everybody? This is Murph. Welcome to Studio Talks Unsigned Podcast. This week, Jamal and I have Jessica Angelis from Anchor.fm. Anchor's a podcast creation platform that was recently bought by Spotify. In addition to talking about Anchor, we'll also discuss Jessica's time at Tumblr, as well as her insights into creating content for both online and offline purposes. So sit back and enjoy this episode. It's a great one. If you're looking for more information on Studio Talk and the tools we offer to help artists grow their careers, check us out at studiotalk.co. Jessica Angelis, Creator Relations Lead at Anchor. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Thanks for being here, Jess. Uh, appreciate the time. Before we jump into everything, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from and how you got into music and all that good stuff. Cool. Um, so I'm Jessica. Uh, I'm a New York native, specifically from Rockland County. Ethnically, I'm Filipino and Chinese, but I identify more with my Filipino side because my parents are from the Philippines. Um, Career-wise, I have a background in marketing partnerships, um, specifically working with TV, film, publisher, um, and music peeps. Right now, um, I work at Anchor, which is a podcasting platform. I can go into it a little bit later, but as far as how I got into music, so honestly, it kind of just dropped into my lap. Back at Tumblr, our music lead had left the company, and literally one day my boss was like, who wants to own music? And I was like, me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it kind of just happened by chance. And I do remember before getting into this role, um, seeing our music head and being like, that is the cool, that is literally a dream job. Um, But I never had thought or intended to ever get into music before I did. But yeah, you mentioned Anchor. Tell us a little bit more about Anchor and and um, you know, kind of how or what your day to day looks like over there. Yeah, so Anchor, in a nutshell, is the easiest way to make a podcast. So you can create, record, edit, host, distribute, and monetize your podcast on Anchor um, on mobile and or desktop, all for free. Um, right now, um, I'm the creator relations lead. So what that means is I specifically manage more of our higher tier creators, but as far as my day to day, so a lot of it is just working with our top tier podcasters, keeping them happy, um, really giving them, um, that advantage of being on anchor, which Mm -hmm. is that uh, one-on-one service. So it's white glove service, um, making sure that, um, they're happy and, you know, working with them on technical issues to best practices to doing a lot of growth experiments. Um, so another layer to my job is also figuring out how podcasts grow. Um, I don't think anybody in the podcast industry has really cracked that code yet. And right. so right now I'm doing a lot of ad hoc different experiments of like, okay, let's try this and see what sticks and see what also doesn't stick. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a lot of my day to day right now. Now, as far you deal with the relations, are you finding some of the talent as well? Like, do you do equal parts kind of A&R and talent relations as far as it comes to the creators or podcasters? I don't. So we have another guy on our team who heads up our content partnerships, and he's he's the person who's going out and and really seeking the people who make sense for podcasting, but also are already in podcasting and switching them over to Anchor. Before you started working at Anchor, you spent a few years at Tumblr, like you just mentioned. You worked on a lot of activations, I'm sure. So which one of those was your favorite and and why? Mm, that is a good question. <laughs> so many. Um, okay, so the one that, the first one that comes to mind is um, this Tumblr IRL that we did with Five Seconds of Summer. 
um, who I'm going to refer to as Five Sauce. Um, and so the reason why it was my favorite was because it was it was an activation where we planted the seed and saw it we saw it grow from beginning to end. Um, so it literally started with me and my partner at Capitol Records one day in his office, and he was like, hey, Five Sauce might come out with an album in the summer, so maybe we should do something. And I'm like, cool. Well, at the time, Five Sauce was the biggest band on Tumblr. And uh, so yeah. from from um, from a growth standpoint, it just made sense. And so it was something that I kept following up with, but honestly, I was like, this is probably never going to happen. <laughs> Um, they are so big and it, it just like, it all sounds too good to be true. And so come maybe six weeks in advance of the album launch, I was on a call with Capital, um, Five Sauces Management, um, and my team. And we were like, maybe we should do this. Like, let's actually pursue this and let's create an intimate experience around this album launch. And so we had six weeks to pull this off. Um, and... I do not have any background in event planning or logistics or coordination. Like my background is digital marketing. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? I don't know. Um, so literally it was me project managing through a Google doc yeah. and just making sure that I wrote everything down and, and making sure that I developed the strategy and event strategy and, and making sure that the artist is happy. Um, and so we, we did both an off we did both an online and an online activation for this. So when it came to their album launch um, around Youngblood last summer, um, we did a 300-person, what we called Tumblr IRL, um, for Five Sauce and their biggest fans. And I just remember going going on site like there were just like kids like sprawled just out onto out. the sidewalk oh, wow. there was this one parent who was like tallying up people's hands on, like she was writing down like the number in which they were lined up to make sure that they got in line because oh, the first yes. 30 people we offered exclusive merch to mm -hmm. um and so it was just really beautiful like seeing that come to life and and giving the fans that unique experience yeah little fun fact about that parent their kid was definitely the first one in line. Oh, definitely. To, like, the kid showed up 75th, but yeah. the kid was definitely number one in the she count. She made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fun fact so also. So you're two. <laughs> fun fact also about that mom. She slept in her car and her kids slept on the sidewalk that night. Parenting. Oh Look at that. Yeah, parenting. parenting. It's 2019. <laughs> That's how we do it. Um, for that being your first foray into event production, I mean, it's kind of a large way to dive in like that's just sort of diving headfirst into the deep end um are there any is there any sort of any tips any pointers or anything that you could offer for anyone who for is doing planning an activation just because i feel like you like you took it on in a very big way mm -hmm. so is there anything just like for any artists or any talent that are trying to begin creating experiences themselves is there anything you can offer just in terms of maybe logistics or ideas yeah. or or just resources too? I mean, you mentioned Google Docs is like something that you just, you know, yeah. went into and jotted everything down. Yeah. So I think and it's it's interesting with events because I think most of us in the industry know this, but it's extremely hard to measure the success success of an event mm -hmm. and prove its worth and prove that it's worth all the money and the bandwidth and the team that you're you're putting on. My to measure this. is did the CEO get drunk? If the CEO gets oh, drunk. Oh yeah. That's, that's also that's, a great KPI. That's it outside of the park. <laughs> job done <laughs> yeah we lost money but the ceo could barely Had make it to the time. car home. that's all that matters 
Um, that's a great tip. Aside from that, um, you always got you know. you to keep leadership happy. <laughs> um, aside from that, just I think goal setting is uh, that's probably my approach to not only event production, but just like anything that you're trying to accomplish. So just kind of reverse engineering, see where you want it to be and then working backwards. From exactly. There. What yeah. are you trying to accomplish? Like, what are you trying to achieve and how do you get there? And can you achieve that with the event that you're pulling off? Mm-hmm. And also, what is the next step from this event? Like, what is the result that you want from this? And and I mean, you know, events are always like this one and done thing, but you always have to make sure that it lives somewhere else, not just offline. So making sure that you do have a digital footprint and making sure that you have a proper digital strategy and the right team. Um, I think what it really came down to, again, like I'm not an expert at all in, in event production. I didn't learn it in college at all. But I think that knowing that you have a tight team, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you that you, you know that they have the skills and are efficient and that you work well with, um, you don't have to be best friends with them, right. um, but you have you do have to find a way to work well with them. And I think that that really was was what fueled the success of this event for me. So from the UGC standpoint, when, you know, people are trying to, um, you know, create, a, create ideas around a song or a campaign, mm-hmm. you know, where should they start um, that whole process? Should they just start thinking about one platform and then look at all the tools that that mm-hmm. platform offers and, and kind of reverse engineer? I think it really comes from the artist and what they're passionate about. Like yeah. what what about this project or song that you're trying to promote actually what what does it mean to you um why do you why are you actually putting support behind it why are you actually promoting it in the first place um i think i think it's really clear to see which campaigns um really perform best because you can tell when the artist is passionate about something and when they're not i think like it's getting easier to see in this social age of just like is is this artist actually behind this? Right. Um, and you can see it through their social when they're like posting a ton about it, when they're when everything's in their own words, where it, it doesn't feel like there is a digital team writing their copy. Right, right, right. <laughs> it doesn't feel forced. It's like, oh, they actually mean this because they continue to post about it and they continue to talk about it in a real genuine they way. They have no shame. Yeah. yeah. If if they if they're passionate about it and they love something, they're gonna post the hell out of it. Right. Um, and so I think going back to your question, it's, it's really, it's like how you've, you've created this song, you've created this project, but what can your fans now contribute to make it ex- even more special than what it already is? Where can they inject ownership? Exactly. Yeah. Um, what can they bring to the table that you yourself can't bring? And what, what is that extra touch that your fans can bring? And I think like thinking of it that way, um, both of like, this is something that I'm behind and this is why, and this is how my fans can contribute to it. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a good way to put it. Because um, sometimes uh, people, uh, especially the artists, they get so bogged down with like, well, this is my work and this is what I'm trying to say that mm-hmm. they tend to miss that mark of like, yes, that's true and you want to get that out there, but you have to look at the other side and it's like, how do you think people are going to receive this? You know what I mean? And what do you, what do you want, how do you, how do you want them to, take this music and apply it in the real world and and what do you think they're going to do i think those are very crucial things to think about for sure um and then kind of along that 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 same train of thought um in creating content what is one thing that you think creators forget to do in any type of content doesn't have Mm. to be one thing in particular 
Um, I think it is. I think it is. Maybe it's. Hmm. I think it's the reason why they're putting out the content in the first place. Uh. Um. I think it's just being reminded. I, I I guess like I'm always going back and I think it's because it's the companies that I work for. Like I work for companies that I'm actually super passionate about. Right. Um, and so I always go back to this idea of passion and just like, what do you truly want? And it's like, why are you actually putting this out there? And again, with so much information and so much content all around us, I think we tend to forget like why we're doing the things that we do. And so I think that's, that's a big thing for the artists and the creators out there. It's like, you're putting out this content, but what? Why are you doing it in the first place? And and how can how can you funnel it through to your fans and and show them that like this is something that actually means a lot to you yeah. and and show show them that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd agree, Jamal. Too, it's just it's a tough tough uh, time to be creating content because there's so much mm-hmm. and it's coming so fast that you, people tend to forget about why they're doing it in the first place. I <sighs> sometimes. You know. Sometimes, but I feel like it's always been a like every day has always been. There's always been the most content that's ever been out, you know. And like yeah. it's always yeah. been like there was a time where if you released ten if ten albums were coming out on the same day, like yeah. that was a lot of content at one time. Yeah. So I feel like it's an ever evolving scope. It just happens that it's a lot easier to create the content. So there's a bit more direct to consumer because there's a lot more DIY. Yeah. So. I don't really take that as much of an excuse. Like, granted, it takes a bit to sift through, and you yeah. just have more favorites. I think there's more dynamic content coming out now. Yeah, mm. but I don't necessarily feel that there's. You know, I think it's yes, partially it is that, but I also think it's a bit of a cop out just yeah. because there's constantly like there's always been a ton of content coming out. You know, yep. Since the first song was released, there's been <laughs> yeah. multiple songs being released that it's you know like there's always been um, there's always been just kind of a, a bit of a bottleneck as as far as you know, content goes and you just kind of have to sift through and find. And I think that's again on the creators, like what kind of ownership do you create mm-hmm. for your base? What kind of owner, like what are you giving people right. so that they can feel tethered to what you're creating? Obviously yeah. it needs to be interesting. It needs to be dynamic, but you also need to give them something to where they feel like them listening to you, them streaming you, them watching you is doing something for them as well. Right. And it feels authentic. And I think right. what exactly what you're saying, it's like, it's getting, that's what makes, the music, the content, the podcasting industry is so tough. Like it's it's constantly competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are always trying to come up with new ideas, taking that extra mile. Like how do I how do I differ myself from the rest of the industry? And uh. I don't know. It's that's that stuff is really, really hard. And I think at the end of the day is just just go back to being authentic. Yeah. Like just making sure that that what you're trying to convey is is transparent and honest, and that you're not trying to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I do when I'm like, all right, all else fails. I'm just going to be honest because this yeah. is this is who I am. I, right. I can't change that's that. That's the baseline. Yeah. And ultimately, people have to love you for that. They have to want to consume for that. Right. Exactly. And if you find out the hack to figuring out the way to get people to fall in love. <laughs> Sell it. Sell it for a very yeah. high price as f- often as you can because that is truly like there is no secret code. Yeah. But if you can find out that secret code, bottle it. Yeah. yeah. And come to me and I'll help you sell it. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll talk. Right. 100%. You need an agent if you have that secret code. There you go. Um, I think one caveat to that too uh, that people might overlook as well is just it. You that doesn't mean you need to think about something forever. Right. 
you know, it's like, don't, don't necessarily overthink, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's a long project, then like, yeah, you want to put in a little bit more time, but it could also be uh, a simple truth, um, that, you know, that the song's about that you can act on, that you can figure out fun ways and, and also try different tactics. I think that's another point too. It's like, I had a boss who a very sage piece of wisdom, if not slightly frightening, um, (laughs) <laughs> who in a meeting one day we were just kind of mulling over an album and the release cycle and it continues to getting pushed back. He said, at some point you have to give your baby to the world. Yeah. Which was like mm. a little bit like it's frightening, but at the same time, you know, like that's the way, that's how growth happens. Yeah. That's I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you raise a child, first, but you know, just, <laughs> all right, you're out the womb. Go enjoy yourself. Um, right? <laughs> School is that way. Um, you know, but like, but no, it was a very, it's a very real thing. Like you can't, you can't shelter, you can't be afraid. You can't yeah. continuously make tweaks. You like, at some point you do have to just understand that it's going like, like a child, I hate likening to. I feel like I'm either either overesteeming the project or underesteeming human existence. Um, but <laughs> either way, but yeah. it's like here, like here, like this is the world. Like the world is yours now, yeah. And vice versa, like the world you belong to the world as yeah. well. So it's it stuck with me just because it felt mm. very impersonal. And as somebody with many children, um, so I was like, is that why it's so easy? Why you just keep cranking them out? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, he, he was, you know, he said, it, you just have to give that baby to the world. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and that is what you ultimately have to do. You do have to understand that there are going to be failures. There are going to be successes, mm. but you can't live your life in fear yep. that it won't succeed and that it will fail. Right. Because, that's death. That's condemning it to a life mm. of shelter. Yeah. And it'll, if you keep perfecting it, it never sees the light of day. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to create and understand that, again, a place where this was flawed, it was like the next one will be better. So yeah. it's like, so do you love your younger children more than your older children? <laughs> um, but yeah, so sorry for that tangent, but now you all know the shame that travels through my head anytime I think about it. Um, but yeah, so that was, was the best advice I've ever been given from a boss. Dad thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and now you know why I only love one of my kids. <laughs> Favoritism is a thing. For real. Um, so actually just talking about um, a little bit more of your, your day-to-day here um, at Anchor, how do you think um, artists, you know, musical mm. artists can take advantage of podcasts? Um, mm. That's part one. I have part two coming in a second. But Oh, my gosh. There are a million reasons. Yeah. Um, so podcasts, um, it's what I think of it is what do I what I think of it is as is, is that it's it's a way for fans to peel off another layer of an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much of an artist's life is all about their music and everything they post on social is about their music. Um, and so podcasts are kind of like another way for them to go deeper and hone in on one topic that they're actually passionate about. And it doesn't have to be about music. Right. And it's it's such a great way to not only extend your brand, um, but it's also just a, a, an authentic, intimate way for your fans to get to know you in a very convenient way. I mean, yeah. um, I don't know if you guys listen to podcasts, but yeah. it's 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 such a great way to learn and educate yourself and mm-hmm. and know more about other places in the world that you don't know about on a daily basis um, during times where you normally wouldn't be learning, like right. on your commute or in the kitchen or waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's 
that's where I see podcasts being like the central focus for artists. But also it's it's such a great way to talk to your fans directly. Um, I hate to plug in Anchor, but no, we do. have, <laughs> um, but Anchor has a feature called Record with Friends where you can, um, you can call in up to five guests and talk to fans directly um, and build a podcast episode around that. Um, And you don't have to be in the same room. You can do it remotely. And so thinking about the artist who is constantly on the go, who is on a tour bus, who is backstage and wanting to capture some of those moments slash talk to their fans, um, but not having the time to do it directly or sitting down at a computer to type out answers to a QA. and a why don't you just do it on your phone on anger right, and, and call collaboration. in exactly um alternative uh, alternatively we also have something called voice messages where um fans can actually submit or send their favorite artists voice messages and you can actually take those messages and incorporate that into the episode so going oh, back wow. to the ugc thing yeah, right it's there. a really easy way right. to collaborate with your listeners and coming up with you know, producing something that's awesome together. Yeah. And if nothing else, they look forward to listening to the next episode on the chance that they might be featured, knowing exactly. that they... Yeah. Exactly, And so, and record with friends. So theoretically, you could be in different states or different countries as your co-hosts yep. and could, wow, record with friends, Anchor FM. What up? <laughs> Wow. There you go. Hit me up. <laughs> Jessica <laughs> Plug, 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 plug. And then part two to that is um, how do you think video um, mm. can or should be incorporated into podcasting? Mm. So the interesting thing about podcasting is that it's been around for so long. It's like it's uh, such an old form of audio, yeah. but it feels like now is the time when companies are just starting to pay such it's close the attention renaissance. to it. Yeah. Exactly. And so for me, what I think where I think video could come in is um, say you're listening to a podcast and an artist is talking about their childhood. Um and then perhaps like in the middle of that episode, you look at your phone and you see a, like a short video clip of them in their childhood or whatever yeah. they're talking about and have that live as exclusive behind the scenes teaser content right. that you can only find in the podcast in the middle of the episode so long as you listen right. up to that point. Yeah. Um, that's dope. That's and so idea. that's where I feel like video can really play its part in podcasting. Um, I don't necessarily see video playing in the background the entire time when when a podcast is going because that's just yeah. basically <laughs> video. <laughs> that's the purpose, just yeah. video. Um, but being able to plug it in at different points in a podcast um, and doing it in a strategic way, I think, would be fucking awesome. It hasn't Damn, been done even, yet. I was going to say, I didn't even think of that. That's that's a really cool. We're okay. going to edit that out. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you might want to hang out of that. <laughs> so, so where, where do we leave off? Oh, yeah, that's right. Plug, plug, plug. So <laughs> next time. Always be plugging. <laughs> there you go. Is there a piece of advice you give to creators that you rarely see them implement? Um, that's a rough question. That's like, what uh, advice do people just ignore you on? Well, I think it's, uh, yeah, that's why I think it's a great question because it's like, yeah. I'm giving you this knowledge. Here's this your knowledge, chance to not fuck it up yeah, again. <laughs> we're telling you right now. Um, are we talking about podcast creators or I think just artists? A- any, anything in general. Could be artists, could be, yeah. I've, Let's go with artists. Okay. No, we can keep it broad. Ooh, with artists. Um, I I mean, okay, I'm going to say this for both artists and, and podcast creators, um, but... I think more UGC. I just, I love the idea of being able to break down the barrier between 
um, between a fan and a musician. And it's really hard to do that, especially, I mean, I get it. Like an artist is constantly on the road. Um, they're, you know, they're working with so many different social platforms and doing a different type of campaign on each of those platforms. Um, and so I'm sure it's, it's all such a balancing act. Uh-huh. Um, but I just love the idea of just like breaking down that wall um, between a fan and, and their favorite artists. And, and that kind of goes back to what I was doing at Tumblr. It's like the, tw- the whole Tumblr IRL thing was so special to me because it was bringing fans and um, their favorite musician in a room together within like two feet of each other. Um, you know, it's a unique experience that you're never going to get again as a fan. Um, so being able to make a fan's dreams come true, um, I think, I think is really special to me. I think speaking now that I'm in the podcast world, um, more specifically and also a little selfishly, like it, it is also really cool to have, um, to have listeners collaborate on an episode, kind of going back to the voice messages thing, because it also helps them get over that fear that their own art um, or their own voice is being heard on um, their favorite artist podcast. And I think this goes to like a bigger issue in podcasting as to like why people don't start their own podcasts. Um, it's because people are perfectionists and yep, yep. it's, it's an art. And, um, and I think it's the same thing for people who enjoy music and want to be part of music, but they don't put their stuff out mm. there because, because they're perfectionists and they want it to look good and shiny and it's their first time ever doing it. And I think that more collaboration between the artist and the creator, um, as well as, you know, their listener or fan, um, you know, and having that artist, help their fans get out of that and and kind of help them put their work out there by collaborating on something through UGC is, I don't know, makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> from the outside looking at it is a very easy, it's really, I mean, just having seen it from multiple angles, I think we can all attest that it's like, it's really easy to say, oh, just jump in and create, but then the vulnerability that comes with exactly. it. And I think a lot of the times that you've certainly seen firsthand is that people don't factor in the human element to it and whether it's a fan interacting with an artist or a fan taking on the role of creator, people tend to forget that everyone else is fucking human too. Right. So like they're going to be listening to this and yeah. like it's okay if it's not but like they're not going to listen and be like, oh, well, that was poorly done. It's like I'm a professional and I know like it's not it's never that way. People kind of look at it through the lens of somebody appreciating yeah. the mm-hmm. art and appreciating that you're bold enough or brave enough to step out and share it. And, and I think that's the point, too, like uh, of being of trying to have longevity. You know, mm-hmm. artists don't necessarily think about that. Like, oh, we're going to uh, I'm going to go on this journey with my fans. And at first, you know, my projects may suck and not be as polished, but it right. will get better and it will get better. You know, uh, that perfectionism is is uh, sometimes, you know, it's to your detriment. You have to offer you, room mm-hmm. for them to grow with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Getting a, a little personal here. What's something that you've uh, failed at professionally mm. that you've since been able to overcome? You know, mm. one thing that we want to talk on this show about is uh, overcoming those obstacles. And I think um, what we're trying to do now in these these episodes going forward is really talking to everybody because everybody goes through something, right? And whether or not people are, you know, trying to be artists or trying to be managers, uh, they're going to go through failures. And I think, um, you know, it's always good to hear what other people went through so they can kind of, you know, work through things themselves and, and know that they're not alone. So, 
Um, yeah, it's a question we're going to start to ask everybody, but what's something that you failed at professionally that you've since been able to overcome? So this might sound really ironic because my job is building relationships, but it's building relationships internally has yeah. been my big fault. Um, I think a part of my personality is just like, I just suddenly get super type A at work and I don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And I just get like very heads down and, um, you know, I just, I, I kind of just forget that building relationships is actually a huge part of your job. Yeah. Um, it's how you get other jobs. Um, it's how you build friendships. It's, it's how you build a life at work. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have definitely failed at and have, you know, there were times that I came to work and I'm, have felt awkward about making small talk. And sometimes I feel like I should just, I should just not say hi to this person because this is going to be awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it's funny because outside of work, I'm super extroverted and I feed off of um, just talking to people and opening them up and getting them to tell me their secrets. And <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. Just like the different personality that I have at work versus outside. And so coming to anchor, um, that was actually like my biggest goal. Um, initially coming here, I was like, okay, the big thing that I want to accomplish is is building relationships with people and making sure that I go that extra mile and talk to people and you know put one to ones on people's calendars and offer to get coffee with them, even if it feels awkward, even right. if it's someone that I've probably talked to only twice. Right. Um, it. It, it almost it feels like work to me, and yeah. which is so crazy again, because like I I am a sociable person, but that is something that I'm still working on. But I think I've gotten a lot better at. So plug to all of Jess's coworkers. She is in fact in these streets, and uh, <laughs> step up, say hi. She'll say hi back. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's something that um, I've definitely had to work on as well. Uh, one thing that I did uh, a few years ago at a company I was working at was once a week, I just tried to pick someone new to like go get coffee or go yeah. get lunch. You know what I mean? Somebody that I either worked with, you know, kind of secondhand um, or somebody that was on like a direct team, but we didn't really talk. It was mm -hmm. like, all right, let's go do something where we're not talking about work at all and just get to know each other yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and, and I think also being proactive about not talking about work is, can also be tough too. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we are coming down to the, to the wire here. I know um, you got a, a tight schedule. Um, so yeah. Anything to plug, anything else to plug, anything else that you're <laughs> working on. Yeah. Anything else that you're working on. That you're I'm super approachable. <laughs> you can record with friends. <laughs> this is that's my best Jess impersonation. Yeah. I'm sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Why don't Why don't you finish off for me? Because clearly, clearly, you know me, and you could be me right now. That was that's all I had. That's uh, I'm approachable. You can record with friends. Um, if you're a creator of note or a creator who's just excited about creating and have something to listen to, come to Anchor FM. If you're tired hey. of your platform all in the video, hey. all up on the sound card. Is that is that a sound card? I don't know. I just I didn't see. I mean, that's if I were Jess, I would have known what to say there. Uh, but no, do you have any? come work with us? <laughs> Anchor FM's doors are open. Actually, you know what? I do. Yeah, do you want to work in podcasting? I do want to work in podcasting. Oh my god, let's talk after this. All right, right. done and done. Great. I already have a show name. Okay. <laughs>
Uh, so yeah, I guess that's the plug. Check out a uh, right. new show that Jess will be executive producing. Uh, sorry, Murph. It's been real. <laughs> I, I that doesn't mean that you can't work on it. Why am I kicking I'm you I'm taking off? your partner. Wow. What? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess I just got thrown in the back. This has been the Jess and Jamal show with our former special guest, Murph. Uh, really, thank you for, for opening Our editor, up. Mike. <laughs> former editor. Former <laughs> editor. We're hiring someone new. Sorry. Damn. Um, uh, update your LinkedIn's. <laughs> Uh, but really, thank you, um, it, thank you. for sharing your expertise, yeah, sharing yes. your experience, and sharing some insight. Yes, we thank you. It. And I'm I'm super excited about just now that you know coming from music into podcasting, it it felt it felt a bit seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in the audio world um, and working with a different type of creator, but knowing that they have similar needs to artists. But I'm really excited about podcasting making its way into music, and so mm-hmm. those yeah. worlds being interchangeable, but. Hopefully, maybe we can talk about it sometime oh, in the near future absolutely. about podcasting and music. But Round yeah, two. thank you so much. One last put on the spot. Favorite voice in podcasting now? Favorite voice? Like favorite personality in podcasting right now. Oh, my God. Ooh, that's Wait, that's hard. Um, we asked the burning questions here. Damn. Um, <laughs> you avoided one question. This one, we can't let you damn. off the hook. I, well, I don't have a favorite voice. But a favorite I have, personality, a favorite, no, a favorite show. I have a favorite show. Okay, favorite show. I love Love and Radio. Love and Radio is it's just a bunch of random episodes about things like weird fetishes and just like weird romances. Mm-hmm. I'm into that shit. And they can find it on Anchor FM. <laughs> fucks with that. What? No, they can't find it on. Uh, they can't find it on Anchor, but they can find it on Spotify. Okay, right, plug number two. <laughs> Okay, enough plugging. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, well, much. thanks again. Appreciate Thank the time. Thank you so much.